This is Mark Miller, host of An Innovator's Journey to DevOps. An Innovator's Journey is a series of interviews profiling software development thought leaders and DevOps practitioners. We highlight real people, real stories, and real solutions for building modern software. In today's journey, we talk with Brandon Holcomb, VP Technology, Global Platforms at Equifax. Brandon Holcomb is worried about scaling IT projects at large enterprises. As head of infrastructure at Equifax and previously at Home Depot, Holcomb has led large transformational projects while concentrating on the ability of the new systems to scale. He's discovered that most issues are created by lack of communication between teams. In this innovator's journey, we talk with Brandon about the interpersonal side of DevOps, his focus on leading with integrity, and what he hopes to leave as his legacy. You sound like you were raised in Alabama. Born and reared. Uh, North Alabama, Muscle Shoals, Sheffield is my hometown, but Muscle Shoals, where all the music and everything came out of was where I grew up and went to Auburn and then spent a short time in Atlanta, about six years, and then moved back. When you say Muscle, muscle Shoals, that reminds me you got a music studio up there, too. Muscle Shoals Sound is in my hometown of Sheffield. That's right. Wow. And Apple, I think, is currently restoring it uh, back to its grandeur, so we'll see how it works out. Raised in that type of environment in basically, you know, rural Alabama, how did you get started with technology as a kid? I was pretty much, uh, my dad bought me a Tandy, I can't even remember the model, and I I taught myself basic as a child, and he took continuing education courses over at the college in Florence, University of North Alabama, and learned DOS and ASCII, and I, I, I first started out just building ASCII things at the command line, right? So these little, little uh, uh, the ASCII characters and, and building out those those um, things. And then I'll talk, he taught me basic. And, you know, by the time I was in seventh or eighth grade, they had one computer in the, the school. It was a Mac, Apple II, I believe. And then got into high school and we got our first Windows PC in the library. And I became kind of the technology guru. And so... Uh, or the computer guy, because I had been around them all along. While everybody else was playing Nintendo, I was playing games on my computer or doing things to build things on my computer. So I've always been a tinker in technology, and uh, it just kind of fit. Uh, came on into school, was going to go follow my dad as a physician, didn't do it, decided to go into technology. So didn't know how much I liked it until I got into it. So that's how it all kind of came around. Is that what took you to Auburn? Uh, what took me to Auburn was uh, it, it's it, tradition runs pretty deep in the SEC, and uh, my <laughs> just a little, just a, it borders religion sometimes. My dad had gone to Auburn. My uncle played football here in the seventies. He was an all SEC offensive lineman. My grandfather, my dad's father, had actually gone to Auburn, but got into World War One before uh, he could graduate. But Long line of Auburn. My brother and my sister both graduated ahead of me from Auburn. And so it was kind of just, that's where you go. My dad said, you can go anywhere you want as long as it's Auburn. So that was uh, how it went. I walked on the football team, was blessed to have four years with them. 
got out in 98 and hit, hit the professional career to Atlanta with Home Depot when I first got out. So, When you mean you hit Home Depot, what were you doing for them? Uh, I was building uh, their store systems. So that was actually one of the things that taught me. I, I would say it was the best uh, foundation for my career I could imagine uh, looking back on it because uh, they taught things like configuration management and quality and all that built in because in retail, you can't push code to 2,000 stores without knowing that it's going to work the same way every time. And they were, I think they were actually ahead of themselves when it came to uh, provisioning and deployment, that everything had to be automated. It was from the time it left me as a developer all the way through to production, it was my responsibility to make sure it was good, but it was also, it never touched a human hand again after it left uh, after it left my um, integration tests. QA was automated, pre-production and, and in pilot, and then ultimately all of production was done uh, automa- in automated fashion. So You're saying that was in the late 90s? 1998, and that had been developed. It was developed in Informix 4GL. Uh, <laughs> wow. It, it was a great, it's a great packaging system. It might still be in use today. I don't know. It should be if it isn't. I mean, it's, it was fantastic, and um, it just taught us a lot about uh, ownership. It taught you a lot around um, the integrity of code, and then the also the impact of a of a um, of a mistake. But you owned it, and uh, you know, I started '98, and I'd say that within six weeks I was writing code, which would have been uh, a little odd, I think, at the time. And by the time I was in most people would not think of Home Depot as a technology company. I I would uh, I would say that all retail is technology and all finances are, are, are technology companies. Yeah, um, but in 1998, really, we're just talking about businesses become just starting to come online. You know, it was a transitional period. You guys must have been really ahead of the curve. Uh, I, I've not been around a more talented group of people. I mean, I would say Equifax is uh, is is up there with what Tech Home Depot had, but I would agree that they were very. Uh, that's why I said I don't think foundationally I could have been put anywhere better. Um, I was the four hundred and something person hired into IT at Home Depot at the time, and um, left there were two, over two thousand people just in IT. So. We built, we had a build shop, you know, from the very beginning um, and uh, not a buy shop. And it was build everything from scratch, own the supply chain of, of IT at Home Depot. And those guys did a really good job. There's a guy named, by the name of Rick Doolin who built this whole packaging structure that he, he called his tool, IT toolbox. And uh, some really other guys who were just, the, the software guys were fantastic there. Um, a lot of them are still there, actually, and uh, uh, we just had a phenomenal group at the time to to do a lot of this amazing technology that Home Depot benefited from. They could grow from their, you know, we went from 800 to 2,000 stores in a in a four or five year period. So, and technology enabled that. That's amazing. That's amazing. When did you go to Equifax? Uh, in 2012. So I spent eight years doing R&D work for the United States Air Force when I left Home Depot. And uh, 
we took a took a, took a side road through there, which kind of introduced me to this whole DevOps thing. And then uh, in 2012, I left that post and uh, did a little bit of work um, outside of the DoD for a few months while uh, I was uh, in the part I started with Equifax. So same company, just doing it outside of the DoD. So um, it was a it's a good good transition back into corporate life. Very hectic pace compared to uh, some of the DOD work can be uh, held up in bureaucracy, you can imagine. Sure. So, Do you remember when you first heard of DevOps? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, I think I lived it. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, looking back on it, I kind of saw all those foundational elements. And it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, when you, when you buy a red car, you start seeing a red car everywhere. Uh, when somebody put a name with it, you started to see these things as they started to emerge and come about. So um, I actually gave a talk at an Air Force thing in 2012 uh, trying to explain DevOps to the world. But if you look at uh, or to the DOD side of the house, if you look back and uh, what we were trying to do with create, you know, creating organizations that force other organizations to talk to one another. You know, I think Seth Godin calls it the connector, right? That's the, the personality type or whatever that you need uh, to, to in order to make um, things move and go. Uh, that connector that we kind of built in organizations and teams have, is kind of like what DevOps was really about, except you were trying to force two teams to come together. So when I was at the Air Force, they stood up this thing called the test and development range is what it was initially called. And everything's a range in the Air Force or in the DOD world where they test things. And um, they were saying, we need to, we got this production system and we got all these developers. So production runs at DISA and developers all run back here in all these program units. We need to create this place where we kind of create a, a mesh point between these two um, organizations so that they communicate and talk to each other effectively. You know, I was trying to point out that, you know, we need to create the whole DevOps thing came about because you don't really want to create another organizational silo that, that kind of sees the needs of all sides. You want to create that empathy across both uh, sides of it. While the organizational unit works effectively for some time, it is not scalable, right? It doesn't grow throughout the entire organization and create a culture. Uh, ultimately, it will become a silo in and of itself and forget its identity and where it should where it should be. So that's why you have to kind of start with the whole culture thing, as they talk about with CAMs. So I remember back in, long story short, I remember back around 2010, start reading about DevOps and learning about it and understanding it because it was really the life I was leading was, hey, how do I continue to scale this model where we're the mesh point between two worlds that don't really care about each other's problems? They really want, and how are we solving it? And we were creating a whole business just around solving people's problems of the lack of ability to get to production. And that really wasn't enabling a better product. That was just fueling the growth of, a, of an organization. One of the things I'm running up against, Brandon, is when we use the term DevOps, it almost isolates security into a silo by itself. Where does security fit into your picture of DevOps? Personally, I think it should be a part of 
every team. Um, I, I kind of view that security should be built into all products and, and every team should have a portion of it. A centralized security is needed. And I think it's, this is a discipline problem in my mind. We have the same things uh, in terms of other area is, areas as well. And, I, and I'll kind of try to paint this picture as clearly as I can. So I'm an infrastructure guy in, at Equifax. That's what I over our engineering efforts. I have three disciplines that I'll call out in every one of our platforms. I'll call them products, whatever. One is automation. Two is insights, monitoring, metering. And the third one is release, being able to get your, get whatever it is to production. Those are three disciplines that all teams need to have and built into them. Security to me is just another discipline. It, while it needs someone to curate and to kind of be the owner and director and set standards, each team really needs to invest in that discipline in order to build it in. Because otherwise, you get to the scale problem again. You just get to a kind of a tower that says, this is what you shall and shall not do. When you, when you really you need someone to verify that what you've done is actually effective and in, 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 in in, in asserts what your intent was going to be. And, and, and it actually accomplishes that with code or with infrastructure componentry or whatever it might be. So that's the way I kind of look at it is the only way we can solve it going forward. Um, I won't say that we're there. Um, our security partners are great at trying to keep up with it, but just as everyone else is, I'm sure, I mean, you're really strapped for talent in that space. It is a very hot industry right now, and it's just hard to, hard to keep up to hire enough people to do the job. So to me, I think you've got to start instilling it in every one of the groups as a discipline. You mentioned the need for more talent in the industry. If somebody's coming up through the ranks, what are you looking for as somebody that should be on your team that you would want on your team? Skills, obviously, technical skill you want as much as you can with some with relative context. The, it varies greatly from someone with three to five to seven years or more experience versus a new college hire. There's a few traits, though, that you're looking for. You know, in leaders, you, you kind of look for a few things. But in, in technology, I think we, we say that curiosity is a sign of intelligence. The reality is that we're in a place now where change is, is happening at a, at a breakneck pace. And so I look at people's tolerance for ambiguity and try to test that as much as possible. Um, their ability to buy in and become a good team member is the, is the, is probably the most um, obvious key, you know, asking certain questions about their ability to uh, be a part of a team and understanding that because team-based structure is what we need. You know, I mean, if you look at the DevOps, um, the most interesting metric in the DevOps report to me that came out last year was around the number of deploys of, per day per developer to see how you grow and scale teams. We have to become a learning organization. So in order to do that, we have to be able to bring on talent. And that has to be, you have to kind of buy into uh, those things. So we, uh, they, my team always hears me say how we work is just as important as what we build. You know, I need people that are going to buy in. So I look at people who have team experience and who, when they talk about their, their past, I'm looking really to see, are they talking about themselves and how, you know, and how are they talking about their teammates and how did they either bring them up? 
because a lot of times in academic settings, you know, it's really, you know, half the guy, half the team checks out and <laughs> the rest of the team does the rest of the work. But the same thing's true in the, in the corporate world too, is how do they try to improve their teams? How did they become, maybe they were on a losing team some of the times and they needed to figure out how, but what was their attitude? How did they try to combat it? What were their thoughts as they were going through that? And what did they learn out of that? So a lot of it's around teams, you know, then there's the obvious just in logic and intelligence from, uh, you know, you try to gather as much as you can from that, but um, really, you know, aptitude and attitude will go, will get you a long way. So when I'm looking at it, that's what I'm looking for from my perspective, obviously the technical skills, if they have specific needs, we're going to test that pretty deep and pretty heavy. Uh, I do like differentiated skills. I like the generalists, people who have done a lot of different things. You know, I have a, I have a fair number of co uh, developers that now work in infrastructure. I'm being one of them. So <laughs> I like the fact that you have varied experiences in, in technology and that you kind of get to see, you can kind of uh, big picture plan. So as you get to the leaders, you really want to see people who can really buy into the big picture and understand um, how important it is for what um, you're trying to do. When you're looking back on what you've accomplished so far in your career, what are you most proud of? I'm most proud of that. I would say that I've the, 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 the few areas I've left, the, the two previous jobs that I've left, that I've left well. Uh, and that what I mean by that is I, I feel like that either the people I left behind are capable to take it and make it better uh, and that I've trained them. So I think I'm most proud of the fact that, you know, that I've left leaders in my wake of uh, wherever I've gone or left, that I've been able to build people up and either stretch them in terms of technical or whether it's just personal or however I feel like that there's, there's, there's more than enough capability to be there. So I've made myself dispensable and I don't know that, that may not sound right, but that's, that's what I'm kind of proud of is that I can leave something where people who are, who are, who used to maybe be below me or, or reporting to me could step right into my shoes and fill the gap um, without really much of an impact. And I think that's a, that's a sign of you doing something right. Looking forward then, as you think about moving forward in your career, what would you like to leave as a legacy? Is the ability to, to teach people to do it themselves, is that your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? I, I would say that I, would, I want my, that I did everything at a very high level in terms of quality. You know, this job, no offense to Equifax, and I hope it doesn't get me in trouble, this job is not the, the only job I have, obviously. So I, I give everything I, I have when I'm at work and, and, you know, a lot of times while I'm at home too. I would say that I do it at a very high level and a very high quality. But my legacy really is what I do at home and, and how I carry myself on and off the field, I guess, if you'd say it in athletic terms, that I'm, that I'm honest, that I'm, I'm straightforward with everyone and I give people the the respect that's due from that respect. So I would say that I'd hope my, my legacy is that I led with integrity and that I produced operationally excellent results in terms of a, a technical mindset. But really the leading with integrity would be the thing that I, I would hope my legacy is. 
It's interesting when I was talking to James Wicket in Austin. He's one of the main head DevOps guys in Austin, works with uh, the guys at Signal Sciences. But he said his his legacy and his most proud, he was his two kids. It was kind of like what you said, when you go home, that's what your legacy is. That's right. Yeah, I mean, my job is, I heard a, I heard a guy say this, uh, a pastor in Atlanta, he said, Never sacrifice the job that you can uniquely do for a job that someone else will do. No one else can do my job at home. Someone else will do my job at Equifax one day. <laughs> you know, <so. laughs> nice, nice. I think that what you're doing is great. I mean, I, I think getting the, the voice of, you know, DevOps is such a varied, diverse group of people, but it's, it's, an, it's, it's amazing to be around that community because everyone's I think leaning toward the same goal. So I think a lot of the stuff that we talk about is it's the same repetitive stuff. We keep talking about quality, velocity, all the different things from the technical aspect. But I think that uh, the, the things that Josh had talked about previously around having the, the safety culture kind of mentality, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that also goes to the integrity side of the house, right? It's not just, we need to we need to kind of change the game with being vulnerable, but not being weak. A lot of that to me is, uh, you know, the I don't know part of this is what's so great about the community is. Hey, I don't I don't think I've arrived on anything here, but we I can I can tell you it's getting much better. Here are the metrics that we're now using to do that, and whether it's Damon Edwards that I talked to, or John Willis, or you, or the guys at uh, Target, or whoever. Who give, a, who, who give of their time to kind of say, hey, we're all on this journey together. You know, I don't know that Experian would want to talk to me about it or TU, but, you know, <laughs> all the rest of the group. But, uh, you know, it's just such a – I think that's the thing that I would say out of DevOps is that we're all in it to help each other uh, get better and learn from one another. You know, that's something that's uh, pretty special about what this movement is, is really kind of forming and shaping to be. It's interesting you talk like that because I truly believe that too. A lot of us hear about Damon and John and Gene and Josh and over in Europe, Patrick Dubois and Chris Bytart. But a lot of the activity is going on on one-on-one relationships where people are teaching each other. And I think you're on the right track. That's right. I mean, I, it doesn't have, you don't have to be up on a stage to to make a change. And in fact, the change really happens off stage and getting getting people to a place in a corporate environment to to be vulnerable is hard because you know that's not what we've always rewarded like i said vulnerability is not weakness that's what people need to understand that <laughs> sometimes you can't you know we talk about how great things are but if you pull back the cover a little bit you'll see that everybody that, that's what i tell everybody at the phoenix project when they read it they're like oh things depressing at times you know and i said well you know, the good thing about the Phoenix Project is if you can write a book about it and everybody thinks it's accurate, you're not the one, you're not the only one with that problem. You get a chance to meet a bunch of other people who have the same type of issues who get to solve it in different, you know, their various companies and ways that they can do it. You have been listening to An Innovator's Journey to DevOps. Today's broadcast was produced by Mark Miller with support from Shannon King, Jessica Dodson, and Derek Weeks. 
To hear the entire series of interviews, go to sonotype.com and choose Innovators. We'll see you next time as we continue our exploration of real people, real stories, and real solutions for building modern software. And finally, thanks to George Cole and his quintet for taking us home with a little gypsy jazz. Take it home, George. <laughs>